I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to Muses and Stuff, the podcast that celebrates those who live, love, and breathe rock and roll. From the incredible groupies, girlfriends, and wives who went after what and who they wanted, to the journalists, photographers, and other behind-the-scenes characters who play such an important part in rock and roll history. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Electrified Porcupine, bringing you the best in collectibles, movies, music, wrestling, gaming, and more. Check it out at electrifiedporcupine.com. Hello and welcome. Yeah, hi. Hello it's, and welcome it's to been you. A few days. Mm-hmm. How have you been? Lovely. I had a great day. Yeah. Um, on Fridays. We usually don't record on Fridays, but we're recording on a Friday this day, which is really nice. And on Fridays, I teach a kid's yoga class during the day. And then I go to personal training and then I like get a huge workout. Yeah. So I'm halfway through the semester with the kids in terms of like we do 10 classes and we've done five and the progress that they've made is so amazing and it's such a great class. And That's so, I'm so cool. So, so happy about that. And then in personal training, I was deadlifting, which means that yeah, you have the the bar and then you yeah. have two really big weights on the end and you squat down and, and you, you lift it, not all the way up, like you're squatting down and then you lift it up to almost your belly button uh. and then you put it down. But then there's the other one where I was, yeah, you walk up to it and the the bar is at your collarbones yeah, and then you, and then you pop it, it up. up. And so I forget what that one is called, but I did those today and 
it feels so empowering. Oh my god. I like I haven't even been in the gym like ever. <laughs> I'm loving it. I just want to get really strong and yeah. like I want to see what my body can do. That's awesome. And my butt looks amazing. I bet. I've been checking out my own butt for the last couple of days when you have that moment of working out and you go, "Hey, I start to see results." I am I can't stop checking out my own butt in like <laughs> storefronts and by mirror. There's um this brand new really lovely swimming pool by my house and I've decided I'm gonna start like going there and I'm really excited about that it's been so long since I've been swimming and I used to just love the water as a kid I'm really pumped about that that's a wonderful idea yeah you can go swimming sometime yep cool it was posted and yeah this week's been pretty awesome Mm -hmm. we've gotten like a lot of love on Instagram and Facebook messages uh, face, yeah. and even on our website, yeah. like comments on the episodes on the website. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some big names. We got Ann Moses. She thanked us for her episode and Pauline Butcher. Yeah. So cool. So it's really, really amazing that these women are finding the episodes and saying thanks and you did a good job. And it's incredible. And there's so many amazing women on Instagram that we've gotten to you know, get to know and become friends with. And they're all so inspiring. And it was lovely to see all the women praise each other and be thankful for each other. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. Yeah, tagging us in Instagram posts. And we have an L.A. doll who invited us to go and have a big L.A. meetup yeah. with the dolls. And oh, that's so pumped for that. I'm so pumped for that. And um, Jackie, she's from Toronto. She sent us... Uh, a message on the website and she was just saying that you know she's been listening and she had some insights of her own and it was just awesome and I didn't reply back to you Jackie but I just figured I would say hi and I also <laughs> hope that we can meet up at a show sometime awesome yeah so that's good good groupy news yes tons of it tons of it so we've got yeah we've been meeting a lot we're ahead which is really nice mm-hmm. so we're ahead of things we've got lots of great things planned and I oh. know that we got a real exciting thing planned. So at the end of this month, we're teaming up with a podcast called Tramps Like Us, which is an all Bruce Springsteen podcast. Mm-hmm. And we've been researching and we even have somebody helping us out with research. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be different. Awesome. awesome amazing. Uh, I, I'm loving Bruce Springsteen's isn't book. Isn't it the best book? I, I was blown away. Like his honesty and just the way that he tells his story i i finished that book in like three days and it's Mm -hmm. like over 500 pages and people seem to be excited about um this episode so we are too that's going to be out at the end of the month and then it just so happens that we will be releasing an interview and we don't want to spoil it for you guys it is so exciting but it's related to that 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 world that world yeah i'm so pumped for it me too uh it's just happening in a couple days and you'll find out soon it's, uh, <sighs> yeah it's gonna be really amazing it is and i think you know we're talking about this next phase of the podcast we got this really so we just found that we were on a list of um some top female fronted podcasts that you're not listening to but yeah. should be okay yeah yeah agreed. yeah yes Share this podcast with your friends. Um, And one of the things that the author mentioned 
in the and we should we can post that link to in yeah. the episode show notes too by um, the way like shout out to i forget her name we will learn her name yes i think i requested to follow her on instagram we will learn oh, her wonderful. name thank her again and link that up yeah that was such a it's such an amazing thing when you sent it to me. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah, but and it was cool because she mentioned it was like having your own, like when you listen to our episodes, it's like having, being a part of a book, a book club. club. But we're also taking it next level in terms of the interviews because we are going to be, you know, we want to be talking to the women who wrote the books. Yeah. And we're going to be taking that next level for you guys um, in the upcoming months and year of muses and stuff. Yeah, lots of lots of exciting things to come. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's just it's getting better and better. So today I am presenting an episode. This is gonna be a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, the book that I read in preparation was "Once Upon a Rockstar: Backstage Passes in the Heavy Metal Eighties: Big Hair, Bad Boys, and One Bad Girl" by Rita Ray Rocks. Yeah. Great name. Oh, so good. Um, and Rita does rock. Yeah. Rita and she Ray definitely has big hair. Rocks. Big hair. And so does everyone. A big tan. Uh, big personality. Um, yeah, the photos you were sending us, me were right? amazing. Because we don't do a whole lot of... 80s. 80s. Yeah. But, but we are going to do some 80s. And uh, I kind of, I, I, I told you originally that I didn't think this episode was going to be that long mm-hmm. because the book was so easy to read. And I ended up with almost the same amount of ep- like pages of notes that we do every week and our episodes are going over an hour. Yeah. So let's get into it. Awesome. I'm going to tell you about Rita Ray, how she rocks, how much fun this was. Yeah. Um, when you think about what, rock and roll and what groupies and groupiedom was in the 80s we're gonna get a lot of that from this book Um, and it's some of the stuff that people maybe tend not to like or tend to um maybe not like about yeah a little less uh romanticized view maybe yeah but i get it and i really had a better understanding of what was going on and why people were doing certain things and just how like music had progressed at that point yeah and um, and even if that's not your style of groupiedom, it is other people's style, and that's great. Yeah, and then we're gonna you're gonna hear some from some unexpected people popping up, which is which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And go, oh, okay, interesting. Awesome. Another thing that we're gonna learn about is the kind of when people say, "So, how did you get backstage?" or like, "How did you get those passes?" This is very much a listen up. Listen to her tricks and tips, and she will tell you. Nice. So Rita was from Omaha, Nebraska. Her mother was Japanese from Kamakura, and her father was second generation from the Czech. uh, Wow. Yeah. Cool. From Czech. Czech Czech Republic? Czech Republic? Maybe? Czechoslovakia? Which one's... (laughs) It's not... (laughs) Which one we'll is find the out. one? <laughs> okay, today we're bad with names <laughs> and geography. Um, her parents met when her father was serving in the Navy when he was stationed in Japan. Uh, her mother and father only had a few dates before they returned to his hometown. He then worked for Sears as an appliance repairman, and her mom stayed home, stayed home mom. Mm-hmm. And she has two older brothers. Cool. By the time Rita was in her teens, she was on a first-name basis with tour managers. And the story takes us to tour buses, dressing rooms, backstage, side stage. 
Amazing. All that. We go to all of those places. Things really began for Rita in the summer of 1980. So really at the beginning of the 80s. And then mm. we go into pretty much a decade of, of rock and roll uh, yeah. of the 80s. It's really cool. Uh, she saw Alice Cooper and Billy Squire at the Omaha Civic Auditorium. Nice. She would spend a lot of her time at this Omaha, Omaha. Um, City, that was the Civic Auditorium over the years. <laughs> she had kind of... Um, when Sweet Connie in that video when she would go up to it and be like, I spend a lot of time here. <laughs> like my second home. <laughs> so whenever there was a show, she would get there early so that she could get up as front or close to the front of the stage as possible. Something she would do for many years. She wanted to see and she wanted to be seen. That was definitely me as a teenager as well. Yeah. That way, she got, you know, the attention that she wanted, the eye contact. That's always a good place to start. She was very attracted to Billy Squire, the opener. And she got his attention afterwards by making eye contact and shouting at him, Rich kid! That's what was on his t-shirt. So she said, Rich kid, I want to meet you. (laughs) Next thing she knew, someone from the road crew said, do you girls want to come backstage? Yeah, we do. (laughs) It was her first time backstage, and she's talking to Billy, who asks her if she's ever been on a tour bus before. Actually, I don't know if 100% sure now that I'm thinking about it, if it was her first time backstage, but then she was going to have a first time coming up. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I don't think it was both. I don't think it was first time backstage and first time with this, but um, sorry, it could have been. There's a first in there. There is definitely a first. <laughs> so she went to the bus. Um, she He led her into the middle part of the bus um, where you would find... Do you, do you remember what... Okay, you walk into a tour bus mm-hmm. and you have the... the like, seating area. Yeah. And then you keep walking and you have the... The bedrooms. The cots. The bunk beds. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then it's beyond the bunk bed that you have like that main kind of area area yeah so she got the bunk bed (laughs) and next thing you knew she got him she says yeah it was the rock and roll fairy tale way to lose my virginity and lose her virginity she did nice at the end of that month she was hungry for more and had her sights set on david lee roth from van halen I'm sure every uh, teenage girl in the 80s had their sights set on him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Another super fun thing about this is I googled almost all of the bands that she mentioned, and a lot of them were really cute. Actually, Mm -hmm. David Lee Roth, I found, was the least cute out of everybody. I agree. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um, About David, she said, I don't care if it takes me a lifetime. I'm going to get a piece of that before I die. Damn. Right? (laughs) I love a woman who knows what she wants. Mm, She sure did. After those shows, she saw everyone that came to town, including April Wine, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne, Joe Walsh, Styx, Journey, and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Nice. Yeah. And it's August of 1980. And so in that time... Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers had just released in 1979 Damn the Torpedoes and were going into Hard Promises for 1981. So think about when that, right? And I think Born in the USA was like 1984. So like we're, those are our kind of um, pinpoints. But Mm -hmm. then she's got her. Gotcha. Her hair metal kind of. Yeah. Not hair metal. I wouldn't call it metal. No. They're like light metal sort of. Hair bands. Yeah. I think they're still called metal, but. 
I know, like, when I think of metal, I think of, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, back then, concert tickets costed $8.50. Oh, yeah. I wish. She says, we'd catch a city bus and go downtown. Part of the fun was to get to the Civic before the doors opened and run to the front of the stage before for the best seats on the sides up front once the gates opened the race was on everybody was pushing and shoving but because we both ran track we dashed with the best of them (laughs) once the show started we'd always find ourselves getting smashed from behind by a sweaty pig of a guy in a concert t-shirt dripping sweat on us he'd be screaming in our ears his favorite band song yeah like the band is going to stop everything and play that song (laughs) which was usually an encore song anyways Mm. some people just never got it been there We've t- actually talked about that many times before. <laughs> this is fun. From her high school, she could look out the window and see the road show coming to town mm. because that's where the venue was. So first she'd see the crew, the trucks, the tour buses, and then the white Cadillac limos, which got her blood rushing in anticipation of the show. Nice. Mm-hmm. Good time to mention that, yes, she was in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, her age would stop her from getting into certain bars and hanging out with certain guys for the most part. And she did lie about her age. Mm. So when she lost her virginity on the tour bus, she had just turned 15. But she lied about it. My God. Or was it just turned 14? No, don't She say was that. young. Okay. Um, but she doesn't regret it. No. Good. No. She talks about some things that she regrets, which we'll talk about. But no, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't it. Good. As she was front row watching Van Halen, she caught Eddie's eye a few times, but she wasn't fixated on him. I just wanted David Lee to lean over and sweat on me or touch my hand. At the end of the show, she stood at the backstage entrance hoping and waiting for a pass. All, uh, apparently, someone had made personal threats to Valerie Bertinelli, Eddie's mm-hmm. girlfriend, so no passes were given out that night. Rita Ray, however, was not a quitter. <laughs> So, she wasn't a quitter. She was 16 and had access to her father's vehicle. So, she hopped in it and headed to the hotel. Her mother accidentally inspired Rita's way of meeting bands because she was once having lunch at the Marriott Hotel and accidentally met Tom Jones. Uh. And her mom was a massive fan of Tom Jones. So, Rita knew, and she knew this from then on, that if she planned things just right, that she could meet anyone that came to town. Amazing. It was like they said um, she had a key to the city. Yeah. So she was waiting outside the hotel when Van Halen crew pulled up. She asked David for an autograph and he asked her if she'd like to come in for a drink. (laughs) The security at the hotel knew that Rita was underage and told her to leave, but she wouldn't budge. So both the security and David's personal bodyguard had to remove her and David said, sorry, sweetheart, you're too young. You have to go. Good for David. So it was from then on that she would lie to people and say that she was 18. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this is when she really started to befriend the behind-the-sceners at venues. Security guards, road crew, managers. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Rita was adorable, and her fashion sense is what really made her stand out. And she would always call herself exotic-looking. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time she would say, you know, there were certain rock stars that really preferred her long-legged blonde girlfriends but there were some that really you know were digging her look and she was really really cute yeah you sent me some photos and they were also adorable oh yeah that was another thing that i did during this episode uh when i was reading is i sent you a lot of pictures because it was too 
fun not to share and i like i was laughing it got me so pumped for this episode she's so adorable and Mm -hmm. like the hair and the clothing it's just it was great so speaking of which she says image was everything not to just listen to rock and roll but live it wear it breathe it and rock it it was the early 80s and disco had slowly faded as the explosion of hard rock punk rock old rock new wave and everything else including the kitchen sink was now in full swing mtv had a huge impact on my life to really visualize rock and roll was a lot more now than just hearing a song on the radio it became a whole way of life it was my first addiction and i wanted it every chance i got i copied hairstyles and clothes of all my favorite bands that led to my interest in fashion and sewing and creating my own outfits jewelry and hairstyles i was a risk taker and i'd try anything outrageous that would get people to take notice of me and say wow I got to the point I would wear some stuff so revealing that I would put on clothes over my skimpy outfit just so I could get past my mom and out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. In December, a local radio station was holding a contest to give away tickets um, and backstage passes to meet Ozzy Osbourne and the band. Uh, You could also win a free guitar. To win, you had to take a picture of yourself before you listened to Ozzy's new album and after. Okay. Yeah, she actually ended up coming in second place. But the good news was that the runner-up also got to go backstage. She just didn't get the guitar. Amazing. Yeah. She says that Ozzy had two very sexy band members by the names of Rudy Sarzo and Randy Rhodes. Rudy was sweet to her, but decided she was too young. So she started hanging out with two guys that she met at the show. She had a good time and got pictures with Ozzy and the band and actually happened to be on acid that night. (laughs) So she um, was a drug taker. Yeah. Which we'll get into. So there's a lot of things. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea to get backstage. That was really like a good idea. But I'm just going to say right now that neither of us condone the usage of drugs and cocaine. Yeah. Which we're going to be talking a lot about. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's the one that we're like, "Mm, don't do that. Leave that one at home. Learn from... The people who yeah. have done that and have horror stories. <laughs> yeah. So her two new friends talked a lot about L.A. because that's where they were from, which uh, began her fascination with going out west. She was curious. Did rock stars hang out on the Sunset Strip? I mentioned that during the Aussie show, she was on acid, on acid. And so that's when also cocaine became a large part of her life mm-hmm. and a big part of how she would get into shows for free backstage and so on. Um, she would always attend the shows armed with cocaine and said, by now I had my strategy to get backstage all figured out. Sometimes all it took was to give the tech crew guy a couple of lines. Wow. She would also wait by the backstage curtain after the shows where media people and fans uh, would be let into the hospitality area. Then they would sit and wait for the band to get showered and come out to meet and greet. Sometimes the bands wouldn't come by at all, and sometimes they'd chat and leave, or sometimes she'd be invited to the bathroom or the tour bus to do some a couple lines, and then to the hotel lobby, and, you know, like the R. Kelly song... <laughs> By the end of the song, I got you. Back at home, Rita was like Rita's room was covered with posters of rock stars. She had band posters like Quiet Riot, collages up in her locker at school, a Rod Stewart cutout, Hmm. and a backstage (laughs) pass book. Cool. You know what I want to see? I want to see people's backstage passes book. I think we should do something where they show us their backstage pass book. Post or your concert tickets and like yeah. all your collectible yeah. concert Yeah, stuff. post a picture and tag us. 
Yeah, please. Over her bed is where she hung her David Lee Roth bonus poster from inside the album Crazy from the Heat. She also had a cork board with pins, and one of her favorite pins was one that said, I'm with the band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1983, Jay Giles' band came to town. They sold out the Civic Auditorium and were big on MTV. During the show, they invited people on stage to dance, and she was one of them. While she was getting complimented backstage on her dancing, she met Peter Wolf. Nice. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's funny. <laughs> okay. She went back to the hotel with him and gave him a full body massage and they fell asleep. But I have a story about Peter Wolf. Oh. Is that when I saw, I was at a festival this summer and he was playing and I had the backstage passes. So I was in front of the barricades and I was da- dancing. Yeah. And he kept telling me to shake it. And he kept <laughs> telling me to sh- like, shake it, baby. And he kept uh, like pointing me out so that I think the security guards were getting pissed. Oh. Because because then it was obvious that I was like kind of standing somewhere yeah. where I shouldn't have been standing. Yeah. So Peter Wolf kind of like called you out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like shook it, but like it kind of blew my cover. Yeah, my yeah, you shook it all the way to the other barricade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um. Where were we? Okay. <laughs> At school the next day, there were numerous rumors that she had done the whole band and was going on tour with them. Well, mm-hmm. um, you might be wondering where she got all this money for concert, t- concert tickets and cocaine. Yeah, I was. I'll tell you. She worked at Wendy's. Wow. Since she was 14, lied about her age to get a job and saved her money. Well, good for her. Mm-hmm. She met a girl named Andrea, who she calls her angel, who she would go to shows with. She was also in her early teens. Together, they took the bus to Venice Beach. She went to Hollywood. Finally, she got to, you know, go do that thing. She went to clubs. And she was shocked to see how extreme people dressed there. Mm. She called them all Motley Crue wannabes. Uh. One night at a club, she saw a guy who looked just like David Lee Roth, thinking that that it was just like another one of the sort of wannabes. But she realized it was actually him. (laughs) The next thing she knew, he was standing next to her. Of course. She offered him a quaalude. He declined. And she told them about their first meeting. Meetings, the saying that, you know, she was too young at the time. But now she's 18 and she's in town checking out colleges. Oh. A lie. Yeah. He invited her to take a ride on his Harley. And he took her hand and led her out of the club where they nearly got mobbed. He brought her back to his condos, which had a stunning view of glittering Hollywood. Her dream had come true. She was in his living room. Ooh. He taught her how to roll a joint. Okay. And then after they rolled the joint, he started to take his clothes off. She helped him. (laughs) She says, Undressing myself while kissing David over and over, I was just dripping with juices of passion, ready to mount this man and ride him into the sky of ecstasy. We proceeded into the bedroom and then let the sex show begin. We were both amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What was yeah. that about the juices? Oh, you want me to repeat yeah, that? Yeah, please. <laughs> I was just dripping with juices of passion, ready to juices mount this man and ride him into the sky of ecstasy. Amazing. She called him the Cary Grant of rock stars. I would not call him that. but Well... <laughs> You're no, nope. I'm not going to go there. Um, the next morning, he gave her a ride to where she was crashing, and he made sure to buy her an orange juice at the Seven Eleven like a proper fucking gentleman. 
Those were my words. Amazing. Her friends didn't believe her. When Van Halen returned to town, she said, uh, I started to run every night. I could be in great shape and tanned every day in my backyard so I could be in great shape. I had plans to try to look as exotic as, and as beautiful as I could. I wanted him to fall in love with me as I had with him. Or at least I wanted the chance to nail him again. <laughs> okay. Wow, she really liked David. Oh, yeah. That evening... Tickets and passes were there waiting for her at the will call. There's nothing better than picking up tickets at will call. For sure. Love it. Especially with passes. Oh, especially with passes. (laughs) She and her friend um, put on their passes and made sure to walk around the main floor so that everyone could see that they had scored hard. Then to add to that, they would go and stand on the soundboard risers just to make sure everyone could really get a good look. see that that, uh, backstage pass on her? Yeah, baby. At the after party, she says girls were flocking to both David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. She was relieved when David started paying attention to her, and then they left to go back to his hotel room. Unfortunately, they didn't relive relive the night of passion back as they did in L.A., because as things were getting heated, she offered David some cocaine, and (laughs) he couldn't perform. That morning, sitting in the hotel lobby, she was talking to David when she felt someone lifting up her skirt. It was the mischievous Eddie wanting to get a peek at what was underneath. She took it playfully and thought, hmm, she would like to have him too. A guy did that to me once at a party. Oh. And I punched him and he had nipple piercings and (gasps) I punched him as hard as I could in the nipple and he just went down. Amazing. I mean, bleed. It was good amazing. for you. Thank you. It felt really good. Not that I'm condoning violence, but only when somebody lifts up your skirt exactly. like a total freak. Exactly. So the police came to town with an opening band called the English Beat. Okay. Have you ever heard of the English Beat? I haven't. Have you ever heard of the police? Of course. Okay. Well, then at least we got that. Love the police. Me too. Um, I guess Sting is on tour with Shug It right now. Right? With who? Shaggy. Oh. It wasn't me. <laughs> Before the show, she recognized the singer from the opening band. And what have we learned so far? That's right. Befriend the singer or the band members or managers of the opening band. Mm. And that's how you can get a pass or at least the inside scoop to where the after party is going to be. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. She wasn't thrilled about meeting the police, so unfortunately I have no good story to share with you. That sucks. Yeah. Um, Rita says, My adventures backstage in meeting the band were never about getting autographs or pictures, although I treasure my collection of signed passes and group shots with our arms draped over each other as if we had been friends forever. I always had hope that my encounters would be more than a one-night stand. I had to start somewhere. In a sense, I stalked my prey. From MTV and the entertainment magazines, I knew as much about the band members as I could. I wasn't the tall, leggy blondes that always attracted the band guys, so I had to be cute, funny, sexy, and seductive. And, as I always said, nobody turns down a cute girl with a pocket full of cocaine. (laughs) Especially in the 80s. Especially in the 80s. (laughs) Big hair, big tans, big pocketfuls of cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) At this point, she couldn't have real honest connections because she had to limit what she told them about her life. She was only 17 after all. Yeah. Right? In 1983, sadly, Rita's mother died 
after a one and a half year battle with breast cancer. Oh. Rita didn't know how to cope with this loss and continued doing the things she had been doing, which included going to shows and partying, almost kind of losing herself in the partying aspect of things. She was on a quest to see Billy Squire again, the guy from the tour bus with yeah. whom she lost her virginity. He was considered a bit old at this time because he was 30. And there was this new band that she had her eye on. Some fresh young guys from Great Britain called Def Leppard. In her opinion, it was the best British invasion since the Beatles. All right. So Google image was fine on that one. (laughs) Um, Do you think Eddie Van Halen was cute? Uh, I think he's like cute, but he's not like good looking you know do you think that david lee roth looks like buffalo bill from friends of the limbs yes yeah right oh my god yeah right you nailed it yeah she couldn't stick around for the show because she had school in the morning and her grades were plummeting and she was at risk for failing she had missed so much school and her mother's um passing had taken a toll on her academically Mm. so partying and rocking out was the thing that kept her from thinking about this loss so the drugs and the partying were really starting to take hold. She talks about an experience where she went to a show, drank, took two or three quaaludes, and got separated from her friends and doesn't remember what happened after that. Oh, God. She says that she somehow got laid by a guy and woke up in an unfamiliar hotel. That's now, scary. And today, we wouldn't call that getting laid. No, we would not. We would call that rape. That, that's because that is. Yeah. But, yeah. So unfortunately that situation happened but she was angry at herself and her friends were angry at her for losing control of her better judgment Mm -hmm. so that does tend to happen you know there's a lot of these things happen well it was my fault i shouldn't have drank that much i shouldn't have take those pills yeah i was the one that put myself in danger do you know what i mean yeah yeah i see she went to a festival which she describes as the woodstock of the 80s Motley Crue, Joe Walsh, Ozzy, Judas Priest, Triumph, Scorpions, and Van Halen were there. She said it was her prom of rock and roll because she was never asked to her high school prom. She returned to Hollywood where she went out to the Troubadour, walked down Hollywood Boulevard, and went to the Rainbow Bar and Grill on Sunset. She loved it. We're going to go to these places. Oh, for sure. For freaking sure. Back home, she went to a show headlined by ZZ Top. Nice. Huge on MTV's rotation. She didn't think that they were attractive. They are But. No. <laughs> she did think that the opening band was. Oh, well, good. Quiet Riot. Oh. And finally, she turned 18. Great. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> so Quiet Riot was in town, and now she had a mission. Like, she had a mission with David Lee Roth that she was going to bang Rudy Sarzo. All right. Def Leppard was the first band to sell out two nights at the Omaha Civic Auditorium, and now she wanted to meet them. Mm. So she came up with her plan, which included going to the center in the early afternoon and bringing with her some weed and cocaine. She did end up partying with the band that night, and some guys named Gunji and Pyro Pete. (laughs) But when the coke ran out, they wanted her to call her dealer. So she did, and this guy was mad because he made the trip because she said it was for the band. Def Leppard, which we're saying. Yeah. When he got there, the drug dealer, the band didn't want to pay for the cocaine because they thought that they were entitled to it. So Rita was in trouble with her dealer. Oh, that's not her fault. Jesus. That night, she slept with Phil Collin. Oh, yeah. Def Leppard's guitar player. I just saw him at Massey. Oh. He was part of this. It's called G3. It's like guitar players 
Joe Satriani and someone else was there. And it's just like nonstop guitar solos for like two or three hours. It's so you loved it. Oh you God. friggin' loved it. You could have done three more hours. Uh, and I was called a bitch by a patron. Why? Because he. Would you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he jumped over the really old seat and like almost injured himself. And I asked him not to do it again. That's why. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So her first time traveling on a tour bus, uh, so she had been on many, but she hadn't traveled on one, was to Kansas City with a band called Coney Hatch. Coney Hatch, I don't mm-hmm. know. There was a Canadian in the band who said she uh, that she fell for. She said, there's just something about Canadian guys. They just had this natural charm. Aww. That's right. She talks about, okay, so this is for all of our dolls who really want to travel on a tour bus Mm -hmm. and who are picturing a sort of almost famous tiny dancer, um, you know, tour bus experience. No. No. Okay? Tour buses are gross. Yeah. It's a bunch of young guys (laughs) living there (laughs) with old food mm-hmm. tons of beer yeah gross okay yeah so it's not as glamorous as we might think so you can just read the book and learn more about that and you can i mean go, yeah hang out on a tour bus for sure it's lots of fun but don't romanticize but it. don't romanticize it because it's not all it's cracked up to be so she was sleeping with a Canadian guy and fooling around until they did their sound check. No clue uh, how they were going to get home that night. They didn't really care. <laughs> After the show, the band left, went to another city, and the girls were like, okay, we're going to take the Greyhound bus. But there was no Greyhound bus. Oh. They didn't have any money for a room, so she called and begged her brother to come and pick them up. And he drove three hours to Kansas City to pick her up. Oh, that's a good brother. Yeah. And he gave her hell. Yeah. She had previously met a band called Fastway, and they opened for ACDC in November of 1983. So that's how she got her backstage passes. Cool. She says that Back in Black was her anthem song in high school. Mm-hmm. What was yours? Oh, God. I don't know. I have to think about that. Let me think on it. Yeah, think about it. We'll come back to it. What was your anthem song in high school? I was listening to a lot of Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. The Color and the Shape, that album. I yeah. To that a lot. I really love Silverchair nice. when I was growing up. So probably, probably them. (laughs) No good shows had come to Omaha lately. So she talked her friend into going to Chicago to see Quiet Riot and Black Sabbath. After all, she was on a mission. Mm -hmm. She was still trying to sleep with Rudy, but only got so far as to buying him breakfast on his birthday, which ended up being to her almost better than having sex with him. She... It's nice to just hang out. Yeah. She was never sure why she couldn't seduce him and just decided that there are some rock stars with scruples, and he was one of them. That's good. Yeah. Motley Crue was one of the biggest bands at the time, I think, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And they, or they were getting there. And Rita had her sights set on a member of their band. Which mm. one? Nikki Six. All right. For Christmas that year, she talked her dad into getting her a ticket to Dallas. She went to the show, fought her way to the front, in front of Nikki, and was soon handed a backstage pass. She befriended their manager and went back to the hotel to do some cocaine. Eventually, Nikki came into the room, threw her on the bed, lifted up her shirt, and in her words says, started sucking on my tits. 
she yeah gross she said she went into (laughs) shock and told him to get off her he said you know you want it and she said yes but not like this tell him what you want yeah yeah Yeah. so it's just kind of entitled brats at this point oh for sure fueled by drugs fueled by have you uh, what else can i get away with have you read the dirt Uh -uh. it's full of stories what is that (laughs) it's the like motley crew tour book type of thing yeah what went on yeah (laughs) okay um i think they're making a movie of it actually what yeah of like the motley crew story right now Hmm. okay yeah Yeah, already then um so then tommy lee came in was mad that there was no more booze but she happened to have a bottle of Jack Daniels, so... She was always prepared. <laughs> yeah. The partying <laughs> continued. She knew what they wanted. Kiss was having a resurgence, and at this point were performing without their makeup. This is when she realized that Paul Stanley was hot, and made it her mission to get him next. She wanted to double her chances with Paul, so she went to the show the night before they played in Omaha in Sioux City. Sorry, yeah, the show before uh, Omaha in Sioux City, Iowa. When she was scoping out the auditorium before the show, and there's another ding, ding, dinger. Mm. Scope out the auditorium before the yeah. show. Take a walk around. Check it out. Why the heck not? Yeah. That's how I met one of the guys from Hives, I think. Cool. Um, she met Gene Simmons' bass tech. <laughs> he put her on the guest list for the following night in Omaha. So by going to the show the night before, yeah. befriending somebody by doing a little walk around, yeah. a bass tech, Amazing. she got on the list for the following night so like smart man very clever she had already had tickets so she did what she usually did sold her passes and used the money to buy drugs <laughs> so she picked up her tickets from Wilco. after the show the band invited her back to the hotel she always liked to have a backup plan in case her first choice rock star didn't pan out and in this case it was eric carr so she spent most of the night talking to eric but then when paul stanley arrived she kind of said bye bye and basically to get Paul, she went through the base tech, then Eric, and she got high on that conquest. I see. There was a lot. She mentioned something, and I'll just mention it now, but it's just that in the sense of when people say, well, these women were really used yeah. by the rock stars, she said we were using them too. Yeah. Every story is different. There are some women who might say otherwise and there are other women whose story is empowering and she says no i i went out there and i what did she say i i was hunting them yeah her yeah. prey yeah so paul stanley saw her and pulled her onto his lap where she happily hung out she said it was all a gamble back then it wasn't like i would just sleep with anyone but i seriously thought i was going to hook someone to be with for the rest of my life i was searching for true love in the rock and roll world it's not a good place to look. <laughs> she went up to Paul's room, but their time was cut short because of a phone call came in that apparently he had uh, he absolutely had to take. Okay. Apparently he was very hairy. Yeah, they all seem pretty hairy. <laughs> it was February 1984, and she was on the road to Kansas City to see Ozzy Osbourne and had her sights set on his hot new guitar player, Jake E. Lee. She says, he was half Japanese, half French, sexy as hell. He was a fresh new flavor to the band, a flavor I was to taste for sure. <laughs> Yeah. She said that she couldn't get backstage passes because chatting with the crew in this case did not get her the tickets. This crew expected blowjobs. Yeah. 
After the show, she told her friend that they were not leaving until they met Jake. So they walked to the back where the buses were and waited in the rain. Her friend was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to wait in, but I don't want to wait beside a tour bus. Yeah. I especially don't want to wait in the rain. But she did. And the guys invited them onto the bus. They didn't get to stay too long because the band was leaving, but they invited them back the next month and said, get in touch with our tour manager and he'll, he'll hook you up with the tickets and whatnot. Cool. She says she was happy she hadn't thrown in the towel that night. Standing by tour buses was, she says, was like asking for trouble. Although she doesn't elaborate and not 100% sure what that means. Standing near tour buses is like asking, asking for, for trouble. trouble. Yeah, that's interesting. That could mean so many different things. Yeah. When the band came back to town the next month, she called all the hotels in the area asking for Robert Allen, the tour manager. As we all know, you can't call the hotels asking for Ozzy Osbourne, and the band members use fake names. Yeah. So there's another tip. It worked, and she found them and decided to have lunch at the hotel that afternoon. Smart. As they walked off the bus into the hotel, she would be finishing lunch, walking out, and as she says, timing is everything. In a little small world um, scenario, the tour manager was the brother of a member in Def Leppard. Oh. Yeah. She says that the tour manager had the job of making sure the band didn't self-destruct. While everyone was setting up at the venue, the tour managers were minding the band. Babysitting. Mm Mm-hmm. So she was doing cocaine with the tour manager and Ozzy came in the room because apparently he could smell the stuff. And (laughs) she said she was not to give him any. Oh. (laughs) Again, she sold her tickets and picked hers up from Will Call. Unfortunately for her, her chances with Jake E. E. Lee were blown because Robert, the tour manager, told everyone that they had slept together when they were up in the hotel room doing blow. Really? Yeah. Wow. So she met Adam Ant. Well, I think she had mentioned something about like, because it was really destructive to his ego that he had had a girl up in his hotel room and nothing happened. So he told everybody that something did happen. So insecure. Yeah. Yeah. She met Adam Ant, Michael Bolton, but those stories don't really go anywhere, so I didn't have anything yeah. to add, so I just thought I'd add them. <laughs> Michael Bolton. The Scorpions, who sing Rocky Like a Hurricane, were in town, and I had to mention that because otherwise I don't know who the Scorpions <laughs> are. Um, but it was the opening band that Roxy was the most excited about. She saw their potential. That band was Bon Jovi. Yeah. So pumped. The band was doing a meet and greet at Homer's Records. Roxy went and had Bon Jovi, or Bon as I like to call him. I like to call him Bon. First name Mason. Yeah, well, kind of, I guess. <laughs> um, sign her chest in permanent marker. She also met the tour manager, who hooked her up with backstage passes and tickets to that night show. Yes. Now, what she doesn't say is, how the, what the hell is she saying to them? Yeah. What is she? Is it? I guess she's offering the cocaine, and, or what is it? Like, yeah, hey, I want to meet the band. Yeah, but Roxy, do you, are you out there? Tell us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so she goes to the show, and Rita was wearing an amazing outfit that she made herself—a cool. green suede mini dress with two pieces, which she called her green goddess outfit. She always scores when she wore it. <laughs> so, like. Do you guys listening have an outfit like that? You know, what's tag us in a post. Tell us what outfit always gets you. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> she caught the eye of Bond himself and he told her that she should be making clothes for a living. Wow. Do you think John's attracted? Fuck yeah. Uh-uh. 
100%. If I had to choose, um, okay, I'm not going to say that yet because we still have some surprise show ups here. But pretty much if I had to choose between all of these guys, I would 1 million percent take John Bon Jovi. Yeah. Then, now, forever. (laughs) God. (laughs) So he even asked her if she'd be interested in making him something to wear. She says, a light went off in my head sparked by John Bon Jovi. Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe it's that Bon is into blondes. A couple of girls took his attention away, and that night he left with one of them. Oh, too bad. You can't have them all. Mm. By this point, she really knew the people at Will Call, the concert security guys, the promoters. By this time, she had acquired the name Rockin' Rita. Yeah. She was watching really big concerts from the side of the stage, and you can see the photos that she took, such as Motley Crue leaving the stage and all the fans in the stadium. Yeah. She's got the pictures to prove it. Cool. Our website. Awesome. Yeah. She ended up seeing the blonde again, the one that Bond went home with, at another show and thought, what the fuck is she doing here? <laughs> but actually, the two ended up becoming really of good course, friends. She was doing the same thing as Rita was. <laughs> In 1984, Van Halen had an album out called 1984. Wow. Mm-hmm. Rita made sure she exercised ran 5k a day and tanned so that she would be ready for david i don't do any of those things (laughs) you don't need to um although there is i'll just mention it now because we're just in it that her and her friend tanned with string uh g-strings one was in a y like the g-string was in a y formation and her friends did a t formation and when they went and saw the band called y and t oh my god they mooned them (laughs) so we should do that brilliant So, to her disappointment, although she got tickets to the show, she did not get any passes. It turned out that David now had a steady girlfriend, and nobody wanted anybody interfering with that. She says, like a good sport, I tried to enjoy the show. It was killing me to watch all that tasty meat on stage and not be able to enjoy it. She cried the entire show no. and on the ride home. They got invited to an after party and she became she became known as the girl they didn't want David to know was there. So people were curious about her. Who is yeah. this girl? So she partied with the rest of the band. She was tempted to hook up with Eddie, but since her father had cheated on her mother and Eddie was married, she didn't want to cause anyone any pain. So she went to a show the next night again. And she met a beautiful girl who would become her friend. She figured that if David didn't have a girlfriend, that she might get ditched for this beautiful girl anyways. So that night, she didn't go home with anyone. Aerosmith reunited in 1984 and ended ended up getting on the guest list from the band's manager, who she knew. Cool. So she sold her tickets that she had previously bought ahead of time and spent it on, that's right, cocaine. She wanted to hook up with Joe Perry or Steven Tyler. And we know they loved cocaine. <laughs> she was hanging backstage, sitting between them, when she recommended that they all go to a bar called The Joker. There are pictures to prove it. <laughs> when they were at the bar, the band on stage actually played a cover of an Aerosmith song. <laughs> she didn't get to hook up with Joe because once all the cocaine was gone, he was gone. Yeah. She didn't sleep with anyone, but Steven did buy the Onyx earring she was wearing, and he <laughs> gave her $100 for it. Wow. Yeah, and she was like, hell, if he would have fucked me, I would have given it to him for free. (laughs) 
Another funny little trick of hers when is when um, she would make some Asian food and would bring it down to the production manager at one of the venues. Ah. When she was there, she found the phone number of the like um, kind of office, and she used that as a bit of a golden ticket to get into shows. I actually, with my friends, when we were like 15, 16, we actually baked cookies for a <gasps> band once to like get in with them and, and? It, it worked <laughs> oh that's so sweet oh and everybody's like what band is it tell us okay so when kiss came back to town she called the number to the production office dropped some names used a sexy voice and got herself onto the guest list she hung out with the band afterwards paul stanley had her on his lap again and um once again he got a phone call this time from his girlfriend and she was ignored maybe it was the girlfriend that just continually called like every tour after the show yeah where are you what are you doing who are you with (laughs) nobody baby she partied with the guys in rem gave them a ride in her pickup truck to a bar and hooked up with a guitar player cool so this is funny. She come, um, then comes Quiet Riot and White Snake. Oh, so White Snake's on tour. It's 1984. Is Denise Donlin there? Oh my God, maybe, maybe. Hmm, we'll have to ask. Um, around this time, she ran into the manager John, who she had known for a while. He told her that he was so horny and really wanted a blowjob. She Ugh. was shocked. Because she had never expect, like she never heard that kind of talk from him. Besides him just telling her that she was beautiful. Yeah, he said that if she didn't blow him, then the guy in the band that she wanted to see wouldn't ever know she was there. So she felt like she had no choice. No. And afterwards, she did not feel good. So this is something yeah. that she did regret. She felt cheap and violated. Yeah. What a dick. John gave her a black pass. It gets worse. And oh. that, well, I don't know necessarily if it gets worse. That's pretty, that's, yeah, that's probably actually peak, peak badness. But he gave her a black pass and that meant that the girl got it from giving a blowjob to get no. backstage. The color codes were the inside signal and the guy she was after ended up snubbing her anyways. Oh, that's awful. You don't need to be doing things like that to get backstage. Yeah. On a happier note, when she was working at the leather store, she met the keyboard player for Crosby, Stills, and Nash and someone who worked for the band. They invited her and a friend to the show and out to dinner where they were treated to super expensive wine, dinner, filet mignon. Wow. They bought them Coca-Cola-shaped telephones, had them sit on stage during their show, and treated them like queens. Aww. (laughs) <laughs> at this point she said that playboy bunnies were going to a lot of shows and they became her competition oh. but she did have what she called her dream team of hot chicks cool enter jimmy page no way right wow wasn't expecting that he was in town with a band called his band called the firm okay she went with her friend sheree who usually didn't know bands that were playing and would just go for the free food and catering. (laughs) Go, Cherie. They didn't have backstage passes, but when they waited at the backstage curtain, they were approached and asked to join the band at the Marriott Bar. Okay. Cherie wasn't allowed in because she didn't have ID, but once the band showed up, they got her in. Hmm. Jimmy Page flocked to Cherie immediately, and Rita was rightfully jealous. Jimmy actually introduced himself as James. Oh. She, like, didn't think it was very cool. 
<laughs> he was buzzed and talked in a low tone with an accent and kept getting annoyed when, and I guess it was slurred, when Rita kept asking him to repeat himself. Cherie uh. told Rita that Jimmy was saying some weird things to her and that he wanted her to go to his room and wear some costumes. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Cherie left with him and at four in the morning, Rita got a call from Jimmy saying that Cherie was a prick tease. Fucking cock tease. Fucking cock tease. What is... Oh. She had Cherie on the phone and could tell that something was wrong. At noon the next day, but oh, but Cherie was like... Like... What did she say? That she couldn't talk? Like, she felt like Cherie couldn't say anything because he was there? Was she okay? So... The next day, Shree called her for a ride, and Rita says she had been victimized by Jimmy Page. She showed me the welts across her back. Oh my god. I was in shock driving her back to my house and listening to everything she was telling me about her evening. I was glad that I hadn't hooked up with him. The scene sounded a little too weird for me after all. Wow. So, I mean, it's wild because we have episodes where we're like, oh my God, Jimmy Page, so hot. So, like, I love the stories with him and Pamela. He never did any of that stuff to her. He never talked yeah. like that to her. Da, 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 da. And then we have to talk about it as well. Yeah. Like, the like the shitty, dark, like, gross, and we, perverse we know side of him a lot well. of them like, did have these dark sides. And mm-hmm. we know Jimmy was into certain things. And that's okay if both parties are consenting. Yeah. But otherwise, it's not okay at all. Yeah, exactly. So I like how Rita talks about her rock and roll kisses and misses. Mm-hmm. And one of her misses was with, was with Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates. Oh, yeah. um, she got to meet him, but nothing happened. She says, it's not like I would sleep with just anyone, but the conquest became an addiction to me. I liked the way I would seek someone out and then make him my sexual target. When I nailed who I wanted, it made me feel high like no other. I was a rock star in my own way, and I wanted to fuck the pants off every hot, sexy rock star. That's amazing. She's just she's just talking like a rock star. Yeah, I know. Just like a man. And then and it's this attitude and these women that I think like people were really shitting on about yeah. the '80s. And now that I'm reading it like this, being like, "Fuck yeah, she's doing the same thing." But the '80s were different. Mm-hmm. You know, we were coming out of the '60s and '70s, and they were. The- and I think I guess maybe in the '80s, certain men were a little more disgusting. I think it was just to deal with. They were just trying to top previous generations. For sure. You know, they had they were in a shadow of these bands like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and and what are they gonna do? What can we do? What can we do that's you know better than them? How are we better than them? We'll fuck more women and we'll be more outrageous and outrageous about it. Yeah. So she went to Iron Maiden's show and hooked up with Adrian Smith, the guitar player. She made sure she gave him a great time because it was important to her that they get a great sexual experience and then that's how they remember her and that's the reputation she got. She was empowered by it. Great. Although she was very sexually liberated and wanted them to have a great time, she was always looking for her dream man and soulmate. But since she was never around any particular rock star for a very long time, she didn't have a good idea of what, what love was or what you know, love and sex were. Yeah. She didn't want to tie herself down to a boyfriend because she knew her in her heart that she wanted to leave Omaha, which she did eventually. Her friend Cindy had moved to Phoenix and she visited her there, seeing Motley Crue, partying with Stevie Nicks' brother and doing cocaine with him. <laughs> 
Um, they went swimming with the band and Vince Neil at the hotel pool afterwards. She kept on doing her traveling thing, went back to L.A., ran into David Lee Roth. Um, she was happy that he had recognized her and told him about not being allowed to see him at the last show. And he didn't have the girlfriend anymore, so he asked her if she wanted to go home with him. <laughs> but because she was in town with Cindy, and I guess this is before cell phones, and yeah. you know, you had to meet at a time and a place, and Cindy, like... She couldn't just leave her high and dry, and she turned him down. And she said, that's one of the biggest regrets. Aww. She's like, I should have just let her figure it out and get a hotel room. Well, that's, I'm glad she didn't leave her friend. Yeah. When she saw Aerosmith at a festival, she was walking around the first aid station and saw Steven Tyler. She started yelling his name, and he had told the girls to, like, okay, come over to the fence. Hop the fence. <laughs> so um, she hopped the fence, and... Uh, so the security was like, you can't do that. But Steven Tyler was like, they're with me. Yeah. It's all good. Um, after the show, Aerosmith left. So they went back to the pool with Scorpion and ate pizza. Hmm. Another rock and roll miss was when she was chatting with Bon Jovi. And he asked her to go up to his room with him. But she said no because she didn't want Juan to find out. And at this point, I'm typing and I'm like, who's Juan again? Yeah. There's honestly so many names and so many people that it was a little bit hard to keep up in the sense of like what band is he in and why and she's just saying like you know rumors really fly around there and if you wanted to hook up with one then you shouldn't be hooking up with somebody who's closely related i guess yeah so that was another one of her regrets so there are so many little stories lots of misses lots of kisses and more and it's a truly like a fun read. She does talk about some of the shitty things that, you know, we do have to, ex- we have come to expect from the 80s. Topless pictures on tour buses, video encounters on the back of the bus, hidden cameras on the back of the bus. Ugh, yeah. Awful. She mentioned somewhere in the back, um, somewhere in the book about being backstage and someone didn't even ask to see our tits. What a class act. Ugh. To kind of give an atmosphere about like, you know, yeah. give a sense of the atmosphere that I'm, I wouldn't have survived that world. There's just no way I would have. And like props to the women who did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She never hooked up with Eddie Van Halen, but Cindy did. Oh. She said that they took a bubble bath together, drank champagne, and even, he even held her head back when she puked up all the champagne. (laughs) What a gentleman. What a gentleman. So for more stories about Rita and Metallica in excess, Julian Lennon, Brett Michaels, Amazing. And finally, getting to sleep with Jake E. Lee after two-year pursuit. Yeah. Check the book out. Cool. Eventually, she said going backstage was like going through the motions. Mm. She was wondering if she was a sex freak, if the ego she had developed was unhealthy. And seven years after her backstage life had began, she did move out to California. Cool. She ended up living in Laurel Canyon. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. While she was out there, she made Brett Michaels a jacket that he wore on almost every magazine cover that she would pick up at the Laurel Canyon County store. That's fantastic. So who knew that like our 80s chick would end up in our like Laurel Canyon? Yeah. Um funny, funny little story is that she ran in she ran in the same circle as a girl named Devin. Devin had done some commercials and was the main girl in Tom Petty's Free Fallen music video. Incredible. It's a cool it's a cute video. Yeah. And and she's such Typical, classic 80s blonde babe. Yeah. And the outfit is hilarious. And I hadn't even, I hadn't even seen this music video before. I hadn't seen the music video for Free Fallen. So I got to see that from this episode. Cool. Which is really neat. 
when she was in LA, she got to do things like be in a recording studio. And yes, they did press their tits up on the glass and were <laughs> booted out of the studio for distracting the guys. But that was their choice, you know? Yeah. She um, made Steve Blaze, the guitar player in Lillian Axe, a pair of pants and got thanked on the album credits. And, you know, like little things that make groupies tingle. She once got backstage at a Robert Plant show. Ooh. Mm-hmm. By, like, getting, like, hot finding guys on a motorcycle that happened to be going in through the gates wow like i don't even have to explain how but she got to the after party she had good luck and robert plan approached her and said hello missy (laughs) later on as a line she took a quarter walked up to robert and said this is a quarter to call myself a cab in the morning and people genuinely <laughs> laughed because she was making a joke, yeah, you know, yeah. and it really, she said it really put a smile on his face. Yeah. The party transitioned to another party, but Robert didn't show up to that one. Oh, uh, too bad. Yeah, but hey, like, that's a that's great a interaction, awesome you know? Story, yeah. Um, she did fun things like play an extra in a movie, met Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, um, partied at Sylvester Stallone's house all night where like her girlfriends, one of her girlfriends would disappear with him. The other girlfriend would disappear with him. <laughs> they were kind of fighting over him. Um, she describes his house, you know, uh, a bunch of little stories that make up like a really fun adolescence, I think. Was it perfect? No. Um, then the only thing that really sounds terrible was like the drugs the overuse of drugs and then the times where like people like the men were totally gross and shitty but the thing is is she leaves us on a cliffhanger here no way yeah because she says that this stuff continued for another decade in the 90s but instead of rock stars she's traded it in for movie stars So she says that she's going to write another book about all of her experience in Hollywood in the 90s. Amazing. Yeah. And she ended up doing some stand-up comedy. Go Roxy. Yeah. Like she's a cool, fun, funny girl. Great sense of humor who who went after what she wanted, had a great time, had some regrets like all of us, and then told this incredible tale with timing and planning and luck. It was absolutely fantastic. That's so great. Mm -hmm. That was so much fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to uh, read her next book, too. Yeah, she's in Omaha now. She has a family. And I'm just, yeah, wondering, curious, is is it happening? What's up? We can't wait to hear from you, Rita. Yeah. Loved your book and would love another one. Yeah, for sure. And that's the story of Rita Ray Rocks. Yeah. For Amazing. Now. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. That was, that was like so much fun. I'm like sitting here with a stupid smile on my face. Good, <laughs> good. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, on our website. It's always linked up. And uh, thanks for listening. And yeah. we'll see Stay you. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for all the great things. Yeah. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. <laughs> Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But 
wait. The excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.